Christy Flannery of the Hockey Writers returns to discuss all things New Jersey Devils and give us some insight what goes on behind the scenes. Lots to talk about in today's episode of Locked On Devils. Buckle up. Your Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. Alrighty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer, and also Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, Trey Matthews. I am joined by one of my big sources on the show. So as any of my avid listeners might know, I say, according to Christy Flannery of the Hockey Writers, she says so-and-so. Well, here she is in the flesh, or virtually at least. It's the fabulous Christy Flannery. Christy, how you doing? Good. What an introduction. What an intro. I come prepared. You now you sure know how to make a girl feel special. <laughs> well, I I I you, Amanda Stein, Ryan Dobazinski, um, now James Nichols, you guys are a lot of, of the sources I rely on when I'm trying to construct a show. So I genuinely do mean that. So like Bryce Salvador, Alex Chavansi as well. So I use you guys a lot when I need a source or if I say something and I need some sort of backup. Well, it's a great group, great group of people. So, uh, basically, the New Jersey Devils, they are far better than what people anticipated. I know you and I spoke uh, uh, over the summer saying that the Devils got better by default. And quite honestly, I don't think anybody anticipated for New Jersey, like I just said, to be this good. What were your expectations going into the season? Um, and, and basically, how have they basically exceeded, met, or somehow, some way came short of the expectations? expectation that if the team was going to remain healthy they should be able to compete that was kind of my attitude going in I said you know when you look at the forward core the defense and the goaltending like uh, separately I thought that if everything went right this should be a team that should compete I still looking back I'm like they Fitzgerald made so many great moves over the summer but I said I think the best move was just the coaching staff that he put together for head coach Lindy Ruff. Like, I think that, you know, Ryan McGill, Brunette, like they're making such a big difference for this club because Tom Fitzgerald said on a recent podcast, this is, you know, obviously there's tweaking to everything, but he goes, this is basically the system we had last year. And now it's just fans are seeing it at it's like height of what it actually can be. Yeah. So I think you and I were one of the few minorities to say that, look, we, we don't think it's Lindy Ruff. That's a problem it's probably just the the circumstances. So here's some of the things I said, like he had to deal with injury. He had to deal with COVID and it just felt like he was never given a fair chance. So like Mackenzie Blackwood getting hurt in January, he couldn't control that. Jack Hughes getting hurt second game of the year against Seattle Kraken and being sidelined for a few months. He couldn't control that. Uh, Nico Keisher got hurt towards the end of the year. Uh, Jesper Bratt, I think had to sit out a couple games as well. Basically he had a lot to not work with kind of thing. So I felt like it was a little unfair to put the blame on Lindy Ruff. Now I said, you could possibly like let go of some of the supporting cast around him, Mm -hmm. but the, the, my overall mindset was like, I have not given up on Lindy Ruff and what he could potentially do for the organization. I think people are starting to see into fruition because 
you saw the or I, I think you witnessed it the the sorry Lindy chance around the, there. <laughs> around the Prudential Center and the Brad Pack and his outing actually started that. Uh, I believe that that's the official wording of it. So yeah, the sorry Lindy chance all over the Prudential Center because you're a credentialed writer. You get to go behind the scenes. You get to talk to the players. You get to see everything from a different perspective. But I want to start with basically some of the components that have gotten the New Jersey Devils to this point. So Jesper Bratt being one of them. Nico Heischer also uh, showing some signs of improvement despite being our the leader of this team. Goaltending. But the one thing you talked about before the recording was the depth that the New Jersey Devils have. Yeah, I feel that the depth is just, it's so apparent this year. And there's so many nights where, maybe not so many nights, that might be a little dramatic, but there's just so, there. well, I guess, yeah, there's nights where you can see that, you know, Jack Hughes didn't get on the scoreboard or you can watch a game and be like, wow, like Jack really wasn't that noticeable, but the devil scored four goals. And I think last year when you watched this team, when you eliminated the Jesper Bratz, the Nico Heischers, the Jack Hughes, the bottom six could not keep it together for this team. And it was a really big problem. And even over the summer, when everyone was gung-ho about Johnny Goudreau and Alex Dabrinkit, I'm like, that's not what this, this team doesn't need to continue to bolster their top six. They need to focus on the bottom six. And I and I said too, Miles Wood coming back is huge for this team. Because I think people forget that, what was it, two seasons ago, three with the pandemic, everything kind of just, you know, time doesn't exist. But at one point he was the top goal scorer, he was tied with Pavel Zaka for the leading goals for this team. So on top of his speed, he does have the physicality. He does have the scoring touch. And really, it's so funny because he is like the like missing piece of the puzzle for Michael McLeod and Nathan Bastion. For some reason, you put Miles Wood with them and that, that line just has so much success. It's crazy when you actually see what they can accomplish with Miles Wood with them. Yeah, Miles Wood was greatly missed last year. He only suited up in like three or so games. And I said you know, what What makes this team mesh so well together, or, or at least on the BMW line, was Miles Wood, because he's a pest. He's not, he can put up some solid production. He is like the glue piece on that BMW line. And I was actually having a private discussion with um, someone who used to work within the network. And he basically tried to tell me how this should have worked for New Jersey Devils, basically saying that the BMW line is just a bunch of cast-offs. He said that uh, uh, Jonas Siegenthaler is just a random dude. And I'm just like, no, Devils fans, Devils personalities, Devils reporters, whatever the case might be, people who actually watch the game, fans alike, we see like the true impact that some of these players had last year. You just don't see it kind of thing. So Miles Wood was greatly missed last year. And I'm glad that he's finally uh, coming into fruition and just uh, helping out our bottom six and being that spark plug. But there's also another player that you were big on during the course of the offseason, and that was the acquisition of Eric Holla. Now, Eric Holla, he has had some bad luck, but personally, I think he's been doing a phenomenal job on the mm -hmm. bottom six for New Jersey Devils. I felt as though him being paired alongside with Jack Hughes recently kind of uh, helped his confidence up a little bit just to get some more uh, point production in that sort of way. But uh, but obviously people can see what Pavel Zaka is doing with the Boston Bruins. Boston Bruins are the only team that are above us record-wise at the time of recording. So what are your thoughts on Eric Halla? So my thing, and I talked about this before we hit the record button, is that 
you know, people are saying, oh, Pavel Zaka, you know, has more points than Eric Halla and, you know, he's doing better. But that's only one category. And you have to look at what the need is for your team. And Eric Halla just fills a need that the Devils needed this summer more than a Pavel Zaka because Halla, he ended up taking over. He's the number one penalty killer that the team is utilizing. He's out on the power play on the second unit, which his first goal came on the power play. He's phenomenal in the face-off, you know, circle. And for me, the big thing with him was that when you looked at last season with Heischer and Hughes both being out and both of them having injury, you know, issues in their young career, they both had missed significant time with injuries. It was so key to have a veteran that can step up into that role. And you're not forcing like a Dawson Mercer into that spot of like, hey, kid, welcome to the NHL. Our number one's out. You're up. I think just having him in that stability was just huge for this team. And he's a great voice in the locker room. Anytime I talk to him, he's very level-headed. He's very thoughtful when he talks. And you could just tell he is the voice that was missing. Because if we go back to last season, at the conclusion of the season, Jesper Brad went on the Speak of the Devils podcast, talked to Matt Laughlin and Sam Kasson. And the one thing he said was that the Devils had an issue playing with a lead. And he said that, you know, we were basically a scared young team. And we would have a really good first period, a really good second period, and then we'd fall apart in the third period. I watched their game against the Toronto Maple Leafs and how Nylander scored within like two minutes left to force overtime. And I said, this team last year probably wouldn't have won that game. They probably would have choked in overtime and they probably would have lost. But now you have the voice of Eric Halla and Brendan Smith on the bench. And I think that makes such a huge difference. And you can see it in the winning streak that they have. Yeah, so right you are about Eric Halla. The the one thing that was missing about this team was just veteran leadership. And obviously you still have Andre Palat, but unfortunately he's going to be out for a few weeks due to that uh, groin surgery that he had. And um, overall, it's just Eric Halla, he's definitely been a big factor in the locker room. Now, here's the thing. I think this is the only thing we're going to disagree on, which is okay. Brendan Smith. My okay. thing for Brendan Smith is that I just feel like there's really no room for him. Like, because next to him, like in the pipeline for the New Jersey Devils, you got Shimon the Mets, you got Luke Hughes, you got Riley Walsh, um, you got uh, Kevin Ball, you got Shakir Mukamadoulin. You, you you have a lot of young prospects on the defensive side of things that deserve a chance for New Jersey Devils. Damon Severson is obviously in those trade discussion rumors. And I feel as though Brendan Smith, he really should be waived, but that's my thing. I just feel like he he makes a lot of boneheaded mistakes, similar to Damon Severson, that sometimes costs the New Jersey Devils. So I want to hear your thoughts. What do you think of Brendan Smith, uh, whether it's on the on the rank or in the locker room? So the first thing I think a lot of fans get frustrated because he does take a lot of penalties. I think that's the one thing that kind of irks people is that he does find himself in the penalty box. He's actually second on the team. Miles Wood has taken more penalties than him, but I think Wood also had like a 10 minute misconduct at some, at some point. Yeah, couple, couple times, couple times. Yeah, a couple times. But the thing with Brendan Smith is that what he provides the team, those intangibles that Fitzgerald has talked about that fans might say are so cliche. None of those young kids have that because that comes with experience and Lindy Ruff talked about, you know, Smith specifically, and he was saying how, you know, his presence on the bench, like he's constantly in between shifts, talking to the defense, talking to the forwards. He has a standard of what he expects, not just from his teammates, but from himself as well. And I think having that voice 
is sometimes the difference in those games like Toronto where they give up the late goal and they're headed into overtime because you're going back to this, the core is still young. And you might have, it's easy to go back to that maybe like scared mentality that Brat was talking about last season that they really struggled with. So I think, do I think Kevin Ball deserves a chance? Yes. Do I think Nikita might, you know, should come up and, you know, work on his physical game and find himself? Yes. But at the same time, I can understand from the coaching staff's perspective that they don't provide what Smith has. Don't worry, there's still more in store with Christy Flannery of the Hockey Riders. But before we continue with today's episode, I need to get you guys hip to BetOnline. So BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sport betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all for you at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find all those things at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easy way to get all your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Please remember to gamble responsibly and visit our friends at Locked On Bets for all your betting needs there as well. Okay, let's get back to our discussion with Christy Flannery of the Hockey Riders. Take it away. Because it comes with the experience. And Smith has played with a lot of really good players, like going back to his time in Detroit. Like he played with Lynch. Like there's just so much experience. And you could tell when you talk to him, because he's like Holly, he's actually my favorite devil to talk to. I loved my one-on-one with him because he's very authentic. And it's not, and he holds himself accountable too. It's not just that he's just talking about like, he's always saying like me too, like I need to be included. But when you go back, I know it was, you know, the viral video of how Jack Hughes addressed the media saying, like, we're on a nine-game heater, like, we're doing okay. And it was great. You know, people loved it. People, you know, loved that response. But in that same, like, week span, you have Eric Hall, who addressed the media as a veteran, that said, yeah, we still need to improve. Like, there are still areas in our game that, yeah, we're winning, but, like, this needs to be worked on. You have Brendan Smith coming in saying, you know, yeah, like, we're happy with where we are. But that first period, like, we need to really tighten up the first period. And he'll kind of talk about those things that, you know, yes, you're on a winning streak like this, but there are, of course, things to improve on, whether it's the penalty kill, power play, the first period, like, getting the start early. And I think that just seeing the difference in response from Paula and Smith as the veterans who have had that consistent playoff experience saying, yeah, we're good, but we need to keep doing this, this, and this versus Jack saying we're on a nine you know game heater I think we're doing okay you could just tell that there's a difference in the responses and I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong but there's a difference and I think that's where the veterans are so important to this team why is it that every time you come onto my show it seems like you're gunning for it I'm gonna <laughs> why this is my show and... this is your show listen this is your thing this is your thing I'm, I'm messing with you um yeah, I mean, look, the veteran leadership was definitely missing for New Jersey Devils, and you have the benefit of of something that a lot of people don't have, which is you actually get to go behind the scenes and talk to some of these players one-on-one. So you see it from a perspective that I don't see it. I see it from a perspective that the fans don't see it. And everyone, you know, everyone has a different perspective on, on someone like Brendan Smith. And personally, I, I kind of see why he's on the roster, but at the same time, it's just like, from just based from a playing standpoint, I'm just like, there's better people behind them. But obviously, since you get to go into the locker room, you can see it from a different angle kind of thing. So, yeah, um, which I think, well, no, sorry, everybody has their role. And I think you're right. I think a lot of like watching sports, working in sports, it's all about perspective. And like me watching the game, like, you know, 10 years ago, 
obviously my perspective is much different now when I'm actually talking with the guys and I have a better understanding of like how things work. So it's, it's a hundred percent all about perspective. And listen, I'm not, and again, I'm not saying Kevin Ball doesn't deserve a chance. I'm not saying that Jack Hughes, you know, had the wrong, said the wrong things in the media. It's just, it's different. And I think that sometimes you, when you're watching, you know, if you're watching the games, you're not really watching the interviews, even though they're posted online. Like some people just don't watch them. So you're not seeing those little details of like, okay, like I understand your value. Like, yes, you're in the penalty box way too much, but I understand where your value is in the locker room to keep this team calm in those moments that fans saw them just lose it last season. Okay. So I got to, I got to ask you, we got to talk about the surge of Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer, and the goaltending. So I say Jack Hughes is the franchise piece. Jesper Bratt has the numbers, but my MVP for this team is Nico Heischer. We're not in this position without his contribution, without his clutchness, without his uh, overall leadership of just creating shots for uh, people or opportunities for his teammates. Because I stupidly said, and I take back everything I said about this, I said that Nico Heischer might be the captain, but I said someone like Andre Palat is more of the leader just because he's been around the block a few times. He's been in situations where uh, Nico Heischer hasn't been in yet, and it just comes from experience. So uh, Andre Palat's been on a championship team, not once, but twice, which was the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I was just like, he just provides a little bit more in that regards other than that something that Nico Heischer can't do, but no one knows his team better than Nico Heischer like he knows it like the back of his hand and you see people uh like Austin Watson just try to take him out because uh, on a cheap move because they know how dangerous Nico Heischer can be so I gotta ask you like in, in terms of our baby big three who is your MVP like who is the person that kind of drives that engine Nico it's it's hands down Nico and I think too, even with the leadership like I remember like I forget which veteran it was but they were saying that like Nico is coming up and He's asking us like questions, like he's comfortable enough where he's still willing to take the advice from people who have been there where he hasn't been there in his career yet, like the Palats of the world. Um, but he's a heart and soul player. And you could just, when you're around him after a loss, especially last season, like you just saw how much it really affected him. And even the last game of the season, when they lost, you know, the guys went out on the ice, they, you know, gave the jerseys off their back to the, to the fans. And he, I know he signed a couple autographs. And he came in and it was last game of the season. And he was just so upset that they couldn't get that win for the fans. And he's just a, he's a heart and soul player. For me, it, everything starts and ends with Nico Heischer. He's just, and I said during a radio show last year, they asked me about Nico and they're like, who would you compare him to? And at the time, nobody made the comparison, but I said Patrice Bergeron. And the guy who I did the radio show with was like, really? And I said, honestly, I do, because he is a two-way player. He does put up the points, but he's not as flashy as some of the other forwards. He's not a Connor McDavid. He might not be a Johnny Goudreau, but you could he he drives the he drives the bus. And I said, into that, he reminds me of Patrice Bergeron. And I and I love now that that's actually coming out as more of a, like a thing this year, where they're like, oh yeah, he's like a baby Patrice Bergeron. Like you heard it here first, kids. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. That's that's actually an interesting comparison because I do say that theoretically. Um, you know, he could be he could be in the running for the Selkie Award at some point because he's a great two-way forward. And I love his contribution. I love what he does to the organization. But uh, and, you know, like I said, no one knows his team better uh, than him. But I want to discuss some behind the scenes for you because we've discussed that you get to talk to some of these players one on one. So what has stood out for you 
and this is a loaded question, but what has stood out for you so far when you've done these one-on-ones? Like, what are just some of the like best sound bites you can think of when when just reflecting on this season so far? Um, oh, that's, oh, that's, that's that is a loaded question. Um, I really liked. I like. Uh, I know he's another player that gets like a lot of heat from fans, but I really like talking with Damon Severson. I feel like he's very authentic too. He kind of will tell you how it is, and I noticed that last year too. Because a lot of times he came into the media room after a loss and had to talk to the media, and he never really rushed us. He kind of answered things to the best of his ability. And the one thing I asked him was about John Marino, and he was saying just what a calming like just a calming presence he is on the blue line. And we, you know, we see that as media fans see that. I mean, if if you had to ask me right now who the MVP is for the season, as much as I have positive things to say about Nico, my MVP is John Marino for the first like month and a half of the season. Like he came out of really nowhere. Nobody expected it. And he's just, and it was good to hear from Damon who's on the blue line and practices with him. That's like, yes, he actually is that calming presence that we need on the back end and saying that this is the best defense that he's played with since he, you know, has been in New Jersey. Um, Dawson Mercer, a lot of fun, great personality. He's always really fun to talk to. Um, He's really, yeah, he's just, he's no one like there. I have to say, I haven't run into a bad personality yet in that locker room. I told you off camera. And I think I said this earlier in the show, but like Brendan Smith, I absolutely love talking with him. And you could tell there's a difference between the veterans talking to the media versus the younger kids talking to the media because they've been, you know, they've been through it. They kind of understand how it works. Uh, So the veterans are always very insightful to talk to. Uh, the first day that I went in the locker room, I went and introduced myself to Nico because everything last year was with the podium. So you were, you know, you sat in your rows of chairs and the player came out, did his thing and left. So I went and talked to Nico and he actually like welcomed me in the locker room. Like, so, like such a captain, like just such a nice guy. Um, but the sound bites, I gotta be honest, they're all from Brendan Smith. Like he, I feel like even though he's new to the team, everything he says, like he really nails it on the head. Like he gets it. He gets where the team is. And he understands it. And he's very realistic to the expectation of him, you know, saying, you know, I'm like a sixth, seventh defenseman and just where the young guys are and how important those early points are. Because one of the first conversations I had with him is we talked about, you know, what his focus is going to be on the vocal aspect of being in the room. And he goes, you don't understand when you're a young player how important those early points are. He goes, "You, you think you can make them up, but he goes, you can't. He goes, you get too far behind, and Devils fans have seen this year after year. They always say Thanksgiving, the Devils are out of a playoff spot, and there's like, no, we're not getting in. And he had that understanding and said, I need to stress how important these early wins are. Like, you have to collect them early because you're not going to be able to get them back. And you see it. You see that the Devils have a nice cushion now that even if they do lose a couple games in a row, they have that really nice cushion and that's like that's something that really stuck out to me. Every time they went, I'm like, huh, I gotta go back and talk to Brendan Smith. He must be so happy <laughs> with the way that things are. And he's a big, you know, you gotta practice how you play. Like he goes, everything starts at practice. And I think that he 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 walks the walk and talks the talk. Like I think that he's one that he talks to the media about it. But you know, Dawson Mercer said that you know even before training camp started, they were just doing captain skate. Like Smith is very vocal. And he, he has an expectation for this team. Um, so yeah, a lot of my, sorry, that was a really like, I don't know what just happened. I went on like a tangent there. Um, but Brendan Smith usually provides me the best stuff that I can really think back on and say, look at that. Okay. So in terms of like locker room culture, has it changed a little bit? Because uh, obviously last year they were not all that good. 
But earlier this year, they got off to a pretty slow start. But I said it's very early. Give Lindy some time. Everything's going to be okay. And now they're on a lengthy win streak. I'm, I'm not sure if you're going to be at the game tomorrow or or, or today when, when, when the episode goes live. But has there been just a, a change of overall the dynamic in that locker room? Because winning does a lot. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, think, I think you can ask any player and they'll say that winning is, it's just better when you win a game. I think that's just, you know, almost like common, you know, it's just common sense. But it's hard for me to talk about the dynamic, like how the locker room was because I wasn't in the locker room last year because we didn't have access because of COVID. So this is like my first time being in the room and actually like going in after practice and seeing the guys joke around at, at the stalls and kind of walking back and forth and interacting with the media and each other. It's my first go at it. So I can't really say what the difference was, but just, seeing the guys expressions from going to the podium last year to being in the room. Now it's completely different. Awesome. And I think to wrap this up, we're going to talk about expectations going forward and also just pre just pregame a little bit of their next matchup against the Edmonton Oilers, because Oilers are a mediocre team, but you never want to sleep on them because especially since they have one of the best players to ever play the game. So what are your expectations going forward for the New Jersey Devils? Is this is because the, the I compare them to the 2002 Oakland Athletics Moneyball team, which is a, just a band of uh, just low risk, high reward kind of players. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, I mean they're not going to go on like a winning streak until until May or April. I think we can all agree on that. Eventually, like they are going to suffer like a loss at, at some point at some point in time, you know. Unless maybe, maybe they can break, maybe they can break the Pittsburgh Penguins record. Maybe. Yeah. Unless they blow everyone's mind and they can just keep this going until Christmas. But for me, I think the one thing that like Nico keeps, you know, preaching is, you know, don't get too high after a win. Don't get too low after a loss. And you can see that in the room because there is that kind of level of like it's business as usual. And they're not really allowing themselves to get too high after these wins, even though they've strung together this impressive streak. So I don't see them going, I don't see them completely like falling off of a cliff because it's just the mentality is just so different this year. And you could just see it, you could see it on the ice. Like there's just, like there's been so many games where you were like, if I watched this game last year, there's no way they would have won. There's just, there, there was, there's no way they would have won. Um, so I, you know, eventually I think they will come down to earth for a little, like for a time. Um, but I see them. I, they're a competitive team and, you know, they're winning in different ways, which kind of makes you think that, you know, they're going to do really well for the rest of the season because it's not, they're not just winning in one, in one way they're winning in, in, in a multitude of ways. So I think they're going to be a force for the rest of the season. I think so too. I mean, obviously the, the example I use is back in the 2017, 2018 season, first in December, uh, and then they barely made it into the wild card, but obviously it's a different circumstance. Uh, if they beat the Edmonton Oilers, that'll be their longest win streak since the 2000, 2001 season. If I, if I recall correctly, I'm uh, not gonna lie, my game notes are over on my cabinet, so I don't have them in front of me. <laughs> okay. 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 So, so yeah, I, uh, it's definitely some sort of phenomenon in Newark, New Jersey. I, I, it, it, it hopefully when I bring you back onto the show, at some point, hopefully we're just talking about like maybe the New Jersey Devils could be a title contender. Maybe they can uh, be a deep playoff team or whatever the case might be. I hope next time we have that discussion, that's what we're talking about because it's November, a lot can happen. But around American Thanksgiving time, this is where you start to see who's for real and who starts to fizzle on out just a little bit. And I think the New Jersey Devils 
according to the Brat Pack, you know him, uh, Ryan. He says, like, as long as the New Jersey Devils play 500 hockey, they should be okay. Yeah, I think like I, I think they do really have a good cushion going into the American Thanksgiving, where they have a good lead on the other teams in the Metropolitan Division. It really, I mean, anything can happen, uh, you know, anything can happen. You can look at Columbus with all the injuries they have. You look at, you know, there's so many factors that can go into what can change in the course of a few months. Well, hopefully it's for the good. That's all I'm hoping for. So everybody, you can catch Christy Flannery around the Prudential Center. She is a credentialed writer for the Hockey Writers. Catch some of her articles. She puts out great content. Christy, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. You as well. Thank you so much.